Hey there, I'm Erica Allen, and this is New Perspectives, where we take a, a new look at age-old problems so that we can be freed up to shine light and ignite change. I have my friend with us today, um, Pastor David Schutte. He's a pastor in Buffalo, New York, and we're just going to talk about some age-old problems um, that, that he's dealt with in his life and how taking a new look, having a new perspective at those freed him up to do what God has asked him to do, to shine light and ignite change. So I'm going to let David introduce himself to us, and then um, we'll we'll keep on going this afternoon. Well, thanks for having me. I believe we call it Buffalo Love, trying <laughs> to get the positive vibes out. And uh, I'm the pastor of Fellowship Wesleyan Church. Uh, we're on the south in the South Towns, uh, right next to the Bills Stadium. Kind of a a good place to end up in this world in lovely sunny Buffalo. Uh, That's sunny awesome. for Three months a year. Um, yeah. Do people sound like me in Buffalo, or do they have like a little bit of a different accent than this? There? Really Midwestern. Like everyone always thinks of New York as New York City. Yep. yep. And we're, you know, a good nine hours from New York City. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a drive, but we're only like three hours from Cleveland, and three hours from Pittsburgh, an hour and a half from Toronto. So we have that Great Lakes Midwest potluck culture way more than the the New York culture per se. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. And then this one age old problem that we have to deal with to start with, who has the best Buffalo wings in Buffalo, New York? Barbell. Bar none, okay. Barbell. Okay. Um, <laughs> went to Anchor Bar, the original, the other day, and it was good. And there's a couple that are also really good, but hands down the best is Barbell. The problem is it, getting in is, is almost impossible. Um, oh, but the... it's where the Bills players go. So you, a lot of times you can catch Bills players in there. Uh, Josh Allen, when he was – being recruited by the Bills, they took him there for his first meal, and they signed. And oddly enough, one of the church people took me there for my first meal. And, we signed <laughs> and you too. signed. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a tradition up here. Bar bill, you sign a contract. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, David's joining us today, and I just wanted him to share um, some. Our theme for the month of June is nothing is wasted. Um, and David is a person who, in my life, has just really embodied that. Um, has really sort of just uh, clung to this this notion that God is going to be faithful and nothing that we're going through in our lives will be wasted. God will use it to redeem and restore. Um, and so I just wonder if you might share about a time um, in your own life where that, where that notion that nothing is wasted really became true for you. Well, do you remember the first time we met? Yes. <laughs> At a, <laughs> a leadership academy, right? No. Yes. It was before that. It was a church planting like boot camp. Remember? But I was just there for one meal because I was in license. Oh, that's school. right. That's right. It was in it. It was it was a leadership academy. You're right. Yeah. No. But we had briefly said hi. But we met at the we met at the leadership academy, and I, we in in 2018, I think. And this is, this is where I start to lose years. But you know, we had I had gone through and, and been in the ministry for like 10 years, yep. 15. Now about 10 years at that point and things are going well. You start to feel a little high on yourself. You know, everyone has speed bumps in their career, but for the most part, like everywhere I wanted to go, I was able to get. And, um, as part of that, I was living in Florida. I got married mm -hmm. to this woman, uh, who I met at church of all places when I was working as a youth pastor and things seemed like they were going well. And, uh, you know, we took some time off to travel. Mm -hmm. And then coming back, just waiting on the United Methodist Church, like, no, 
I love the United Methodist Church. I got my start there. Very grateful. But they don't move at a fast pace. <laughs> There's a committee on everything. And, and just waiting for that contract to start. For whatever reason, like, in that season, my wife got, like, really um, anxious about everything. And her, mm-hmm. she has some some stuff in her family that isn't ideal. And they started speaking death into our marriage. And, and like, I don't want to just scape her and say everything is like her fault their fault like I I could have done a way better job listening communicating uh understanding their concerns um whether they were valid or not doesn't really matter I didn't really take the time to be a good husband necessarily yeah um but then you know we got the 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 call to like plant this church campus in Florida and all excited paycheck was bigger than I thought even like it was just a really I thought we were going into an awesome season. I was like, man, this is great. We're going in this great season. Um, Everything is going well. And um, we met y'all when I was in licensing school. Yep. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the Allens and everyone else. And then we were supposed to meet again in September for the Leadership Academy. Yep. Well, like probably a month, there's a two-month period in between. and, And halfway through that, I, not even halfway, probably a week after the first time we met, I, I came home and my wife said that she had had an affair with somebody she worked with what? when I was out of town. And it was like, I don't know, like nothing ever prepared you for that. Cause you know, you might be having some problems yeah. and, uh, but that's kind of like a different betrayal. And then we started unwinding it and found out it wasn't just one affair. It was like multiple and it was public and mm-hmm. everyone in the city that I was launching in, not everyone, but like tons of people knew about it. Cause the guy had told everyone. Yeah. And, uh, so not only did I, was I losing my wife, but my reputation and standing in the yeah. city. And then, uh, a month later I show up to leadership Academy, newly single. <laughs> Cause obviously she not only cheated, but, but I try to make it work and, she just walked out and that's okay. It, I mean, it's for the best in a long time, yeah. but like it just, I was a wreck. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I remember like somebody at the, t- like my group, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I, I literally have nowhere else to go. Yeah. Like this, we're doing this one way or the other. Cause I have mm-hmm. nothing else going in life. And, yep. um, yeah. So that was a, a crazy, a crazy first season. And we started doing Leadership Academy. That was awesome. I mean, just a great group of, of pastors and, and now friends that yeah. we met. And uh, I just remember, like, how, like, what a messed up season that was. And this sounds mm-hmm. weird, but the only saving grace that hit was uh, Hurricane Irma. Remember Hurricane Irma? I remember Hurricane Irma. We were meeting at this meeting when Hurricane Irma came through. Like, we left going back home, not knowing where Hurricane Irma was going to hit, but it was like all over the news that it was headed to Florida where we and, were. And I remember right. everyone, everyone was going North trying to get away from this category yep. four or five hurricane. Yep. Yeah. I was heading South right into it. Cause I was like, whatever, if I die in a hurricane, <laughs> I get, at least I go out like at least, at least it's over. Yeah. Things and, are terrible right now. Anyway, let's drive into a hurricane. Yeah, it can't get worse. <laughs> and so uh, I went back and, literally once the hurricane hit from then on, it was like the Rihanna song work, 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 mm. work, work. Yeah. And, uh, it devastated some of the areas down there. So I was doing 
uh, supply runs, you know, cleanup projects, meeting people, organizing, and just working like 80 hours a week. I got, uh, I just decided that the way I'm going to deal with pain is just to be so busy that I don't have to deal with pain, which mm. is, which is unhealthy. So like, yeah. at the time, like what else? I mean, I, I knew what do people do? They either get like, go party and go crazy or they go yep. to the gym get really in shape and so <laughs> i was like i'm gonna go to the gym i'm gonna get really in shape mm-hmm. it's uh it's kind of why when i see somebody's working out now i'm like who hurt you it makes you want to run <laughs> and, and going so in your life yeah you want to talk about it you got to just sit in that for a minute yeah would. um and i remember oh you go on trial in the methodist church whenever you get a divorce like i, I know it's a weird thing to say mm-hmm. but the DS called me out and she said, you know, you, you haven't stopped to process. And so they mandatory sabbatical me, mm. meaning that I had six weeks off that I had to go deal with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was about six months after the affair that, or four months after the affair that I yeah. actually went. And, uh, I've heard God speak to me twice in my life, like the audible voice of God, not just yep. like the Holy spirit. Yeah. One was like the call to ministry. And then mm-hmm. one time I, I remember I went to go hike the Florida trail because uh, I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to be alone in nature and, yeah. and on the Florida trail. Um, you know, you just like, why did this happen? God, why did this happen? Um, there's a thousand different theories on evil, but none of them really satisfy. And I don't, I don't think even if we knew the answer to make life better. And, yeah. And especially in the say, moment. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, because like mm-hmm. philosophy doesn't mean anything. Like it's yep. just people's opinion. Yep. So some philosophy professor is dying inside when I said that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but like I heard God say, like you don't get to know why this happens. Just know that I've always been with you. Mm. And it just like it struck me like hard that that you're just not alone. Like life with Jesus isn't easy easier mm-hmm. even but it's you're not alone and, and just having somebody there that cares having the more or less the creator of the universe who controls all things there is is nice like there's comfort to that and there's hope in that and and there's a peace that finally came about at the end of that yeah i love i love 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 that you don't have to know all the whys all the ins and outs just know I am with you. We looked this Sunday at the story of Joseph um, and part of this nothing is wasted story and his brothers who were supposed to love him and care for him. They're his family. They're the unit that's supposed to be around him to help him. They sell him, like they throw him into a hole in the middle of the desert and then they get this bright idea, hey, let's not leave him there. Let's sell him into slavery and send him off to Egypt. They Like this, this ultimate sort of betrayal story and I, I remember sitting with it this week and, and thinking that exact same thing, like, God, why would this be part of, of, of Joseph's story? Like, why is this a part of it? And I, the exact same thing I felt like was sort of whispered through God's spirit. It, was, it didn't feel like the audible voice of God at that moment, but it was this sense to which I'm with you and the hurt and the pain and the isolation and the loneliness. I am with you. I was with Joseph. I was with, you know, countless folks 
that we read about in the Bible, and I'm with you, and I hear you saying that too, that there there's something about these wilderness moments. You were literally in the wilderness, David, yeah. when God spoke this to you, and there's something about being in the wilderness that makes us more open to hearing God's voice than... Um, than in the moments where we're not quite so in the wilderness. So I hear you saying nothing is wasted, especially those wilderness, especially those wilderness moments. Yeah, and just the time that um, we always said, if you've ever read, um, I'll always go back to Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. As yes, yes. The only, like, besides the Bible, it's the only book you really need for a Christian life. I'll, <laughs> I'll die on that hill. I don't even care. I love, uh, it. He, I love it. And he talks about the that that solitude is the garden that the other spiritual disciplines grow in. Yeah. So, like, uh, meditation's good, but meditating in my office when there's people knocking on the doors and emails and staffing issues, like, that's not going to do anything. Praying is good, but if you're at the house and you've got to cook dinner or the kids or whatever, it's not going to do anything. But when you allow solitude, you allow that space for God to speak into you that that you can. And it's uh, and, and being shaped by God just takes time. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And, and it, he shapes you where you're at and uses mm-hmm. where you've gone through to make you um, stronger and, and, and more like him in love and righteousness. That's so good because I, I'm i an American millennial who likes to like put things in the microwave and zap it out, type it into Google and have the answer. And there's this sense to which I feel like, especially in the season of COVID, I learned like this, like zapping it and it being over or we have the answer at the end of the journey. Like that's not, I, I, for the first time, I really began to understand this like long season of a wilderness Um and there is a sense to which it doesn't zap in and out. Um, transformation doesn't happen overnight. It happens over, literally over time. Um, yeah, that God speaks in still small voices, not, mm-hmm. you know, what does it say? It isn't in the fire. It isn't in the earthquake. It's in the, the gentle breeze that God speaks. If there was somebody watching today and they've just freshly gone home and found out their spouse has cheated on them. They've just gone home and they, they realize they're about to head into a divorce. They've been contemplating um, sort of an end to a toxic or unhealthy relationship for quite some time. What word would you offer them at, at, at sort of a different part of your season now? What word would you offer to them um, in the middle of what they're going through right now? What would you say? if you're like me and you've got a human side, you're going to want like vengeance, mm-hmm. like just pure petty, you know, at first it was hopelessness and it was, I want to fix this and everything else. And, and, you know, you can't fix somebody else. Like mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for fixing my ex's family. Like they've that, they've got to figure that out on their own. I'm not even part of that. And it yep. affects me, but I don't get to control it. And as, as somebody who's a natural fixer, that kills me. Like, yeah. you know, when you run a church and something drives you crazy, you fix it. Yep. You know, it might be a hard <laughs> decision. It might be very personal. But when it's a person, you're just stuck with it. Yeah. And and so uh, that was difficult. And then just when when my ex walked, I know she had left all of her stuff and I at the, at the apartment that we had. And I just wanted to throw it on the side of the road and be like, come get it. Yeah. I wanted to call like my ex-father-in-law and like just curse him out for speaking death <laughs> in my marriage. Like yeah. all this stuff you want yeah. to do. But there's a uh, little line, John Maxwell says it in one of his books. I don't even know which one it is, but 
Uh, it's a simple line, and, and I don't know why it's stuck in my head, but it just simply says, no one ever regrets taking the high road. Mm. No one ever regrets taking the high road. Like, you know, what you're going through when you're in the heat of the moment, you want to attack, you want to fix, you want to fight, you want to get vengeance, you want to do what your human emotion says. But long term, none of that's healthy. None yeah. of that's good. You're just living into the fallenness. But when you choose to always take the high road, you get to keep your side of the street clean. You get to control what you can control and you get to control it well. So if you're in, like, we always tell couples that um, are, are in a season of struggle, especially if someone's struggling with their spouse, you don't get to control them. You don't get yeah. to, you don't get to, to have their emotions. You don't get to have their fears, failings, any of that. You don't get to control any of that. What you get to do is keep your side of the street clean. What you get to do is take the high road and no one ever regrets taking the high road. I love that because when I think of um, the theme, nothing is wasted. When we look back at the stories of Joseph, when I even talk to you about your story, it's what did you learn in hindsight? And for those of you who are going through this, there will be a moment where you've learned something in hindsight, but right now the high road will not be wasted. Um, that's what you can do right now. And, and that doesn't take a bit of hindsight right now. It just means taking the high road. Um, I love, I think that advice is, is rich, even for me right now. I will not regret um, operating, working through, walking through um, the high road instead of sort of resorting to some of the natural human things that I also want to do from time to, yeah. from time, to time. That's, um, that's really good. Can you tell me about a time when maybe in this season you looked at the road ahead and weren't sure that God, you just weren't sure what was next. Um, and like really about this moment of sort of clinging to a faith or clinging to this trust that what God was doing in the season wouldn't be wasted. Can you tell me about just a specific moment in that journey where you were like, nothing is wasted? Yeah, it's the nice thing about having everyone know about all your business Mm -hmm. is that there's like nothing to hide yeah and, and and so it's not like you're not covering for anyone you're not apologizing for anyone everyone there's something freeing about about being about having your story told to everyone mm. and so instead of it just being this this thing that like oh what happened whatever everyone knows yeah so that was as bad as embarrassing as that was like Hey, whatever. Once it's there, it's there. Yeah. You're you're not responsible for protecting feelings or, or protecting people. I mean, I'm not going out trashing my ex. And again, like she had her reasons and, and I've definitely learned to be a better better husband uh, in the time since. But I, yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying here too, that nothing again, when we talk about nothing is wasted. At, like it's probably not the way you would have chosen to tell people about your divorces for everybody else to know about it. it maybe even before you knew everything about well, it. Most before me, which is what was crazy. Yeah. Um, but that somehow God even took those moments where you weren't retelling this story over and over and over again. And God used that as, as a process of, of sort of, you know, moving you into healing and transformation. That's and the great thing is for the first time in my life, I've learned how to just sit with pain. Mm. And, and just as somebody who's a natural fixer to be a natural sitter is is awesome and so 
when we started the camp, started the church, we just found people who needed someone to sit with them. Mm-hmm. We had people who went through loss. We went through people who went through grief share. And it was just nice to, to have somebody sit with you and just say like, hey, I know your life kind of sucks right now. Mm-hmm. Mine did too. Mm. It gets better and you're not alone. I love, yes, yes. And I mean, I, and I just, because that's the whole thing is like nobody, nobody needs to be fixed. People just need to be understood. Mm. And like we had this new worship leader that, that was helping out. And I was telling him the other day, I was like, hey, somebody says something to you and you try to fix the problem. You didn't try to understand the concern. Mm. I was like, what you should have done is say, hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is that you, that this is your concern, right? And he says, right. And be like, I understand where you're coming from. I understand your concern. And then he was like, what do I do then? I'm like, whatever you want to. You don't, he doesn't have to agree with you. He just wants to know that you care enough to listen. Mm. And that's the, that's the beauty of the people that helped me out. They weren't people with answers. They were people that were caring enough to listen. And where the church and good ministry I've learned in my life since, if you just stop and you sit and you cry with people and you listen with people, that good ministry comes out of that. Because again, it's, it's uh, Christianity is a team sport yep. where the, the spirit, two or more gathered in, in Jesus' name, God is there. And when you have somebody going through some drama in life and you pray over it, you just say, I understand where you're coming from. I don't know that pain, but I know what pain is. And I know you're in a rough season. Let me just sit with you. You don't try to fix them. You don't try to provide all oh, this is why God allowed this to happen. You don't say garbage like that that you don't even know about. <laughs> yeah. You just sit with people and and just say, I'm with you. Like, yeah. we're going to get through this together. I've, yes. I've been there and people have done this for me. I got through it. I think you will too. But even if you don't, I'll still be here. That's 90% of good ministry, if I'm honest. That That's so good. And I, I hear you saying that, this season of of really believing that nothing will be wasted even in the midst of betrayal and and really really tough stuff david in the midst of that god didn't waste one ounce of it to prepare you to literally shine light and ignite change as a pastor like you are it sounds to me like it equipped you maybe even to shine the light of Jesus in the midst of darkness better, to ignite the change, to begin to speak into people's lives in a way that promotes the kind of change God wants us to have. It Like really beginning to look at pain in a new way allowed you to really freed you up to shine light and ignite change. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, we talked about this Easter, for our Easter service, mm-hmm. is that... Um, we just made the analogy. We, we brought a painter on our stage and uh, he just started painting colors on a, and, and cause I had, I had taken this class with this guy. And so he had this, he had us paint a, where is it? Somewhere in this office is uh, office. He had us paint this painting. And on one side was like gold. And on the other side was blue. And I sent my sister a Snapchat of just the background but it was upside down. She said, Oh, you're painting a sunset on the ocean. And I was like, no, no, I'm painting grass on a sunny day. And so like, I, I flipped it. And then I started adding more stuff. 
And then she was like, I don't see it. You just add more stuff, add more stuff. And all of a sudden, like that, it just all comes together. Mm. And you go, oh, this is what was going on the whole time. Mm. And um, with our lives, I think uh, in my own life, where I'm at now, the the pain, the affair, the, the just days on end where I couldn't leave my couch, like I was messed up. I remember one time mm. I ordered Chinese food. Cause I hadn't left my house in two weeks. I don't know how I didn't get fired, except I think everyone felt sorry for me. And like <laughs> all of those, all of those seasons, like it, it was the background that God was going to paint his masterpiece on. Mm. And like now that, you know, you're leading, I'm leading this church and I feel like it's going all right, but I would have been a terrible pastor if I had never gone through that. I would have been arrogant. I wouldn't have learned what it means to rely on jesus alone mm-hmm. instead of my own natural abilities i would have been like just a jerk mm-hmm. and then when i you have to make those tough decisions i would have just done it with glee as opposed to like mourning tough decisions which right. i think is almost a healthy thing that you can't be handicapped by that feeling but if you don't feel when you have to make those calls like that then you're you're kind of a <laughs> you're a little too rough for the ministry yeah, a little too rough yeah you <laughs> know too rough so it's it's to have that balance in life was all all those those hurts and and just that public embarrassment and just learning to stand and say like hey i'm i'm a 31 year old divorcee pastor at the time now i'm a 36 year old divorcee pastor i'm a 36 year old divorcee pastor who my first marriage was a, a an abysmal failure yeah. you want to come to my church like <laughs> to be able to say that is free like because you don't have to be perfect if something goes wrong on a sunday it's like guess what you think that's wrong, you should hear my story. Like, I've got some stuff that's going wrong too, but what I do know is that Jesus made it better. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Can you defend your faith to the staunch atheist that can debate you for hours? Why would I want to? But I can tell you, I I was living, I got hurt. Jesus made my life a lot better, and he can do that for you as well. I love and, that. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and there's just a great song. Have you heard Canvas in the Clay by Pat Bennett out of House no. Fires? No. Man, it is a great song. He just says, um, it's just, it's, it's a simple, you make all things work together for my future and for my good. I know that nothing has been wasted, no failure or mistake. You're an artist and a potter and I'm the canvas and the clay. Mm. And it's just saying that, that, those hurts, those things that you're struggling through, if you don't feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that that could be, and I don't want to say it's God painting the background, but that could be the background that God's going to paint his masterpiece over. Yeah. And, and it, the masterpiece doesn't make sense without a background. Yeah. It, it, it needs something to, to be painted on. It needs something to be worked on. And, and that background, simply your life, including the, the good things, obviously your family, your, your faith, your friends, but also the bad things as well, that it all contributes to making that background that God's masterpiece gets put on. Yeah. And it's not even the, this, like God created that or made that happen, but that our God is so powerful. God can literally like create something even out of the dark blue and black and messy stuff we bring. Um, yeah, and it, it that God redeems. He doesn't yes. create evil. He redeems evil. God makes all things work together for the good yes. of those who love Him. And when He says all things, He doesn't just mean like your your sword verses that you memorize in fourth grade. 
he doesn't mean that time that you got baptized. He means the the things that include your sin, includes mm-hmm. your addictions, includes your hurts, your habits, your hangups. It includes the times that you've been deeply hurt. Uh, it includes the times that you don't go to work for two weeks because your life's a mess. Like all those things are redeemed uh, because God uses all your life. But a lot of that's also allowing God to have all those parts of your life. That that's, that is so good. That is a, who God is, is a, a redeeming and restoring God. But there is this sense to which we have to hand that stuff over for God to redeem and restore. Um, and that's how we're freed up to shine light and ignite change. <laughs> um, as yeah. we continue to sort of hand that over to the God who redeems and restores. Um, is there anything else you want to say to, to people um, who may want to know, like, nothing is wasted. How could I look at my life in a new way to know that? Is there one sentence you sort of want to offer them as we close up today? Yeah, so the, the most ironic thing in, in my ministry is uh, I've gotten into a little side hustle of doing premarital counseling, mm-hmm. right? I, it, it just was one of those weird things that, you know, I went through my divorce, so you study, like, you know, what happened, what went wrong, yeah. And then it went down to just kind of doing a premarital counseling for a wedding or two and getting certified through a program or two. And now I, I do probably two or three couples a month. I do premarital counseling with just because it's a, I love it. It's life-giving B it's good side money and C it's just like, I'm, I'm oddly good at it. And, yeah. and the irony of all of this is that uh, we've, we've done premarital counseling for a couple dozen couples and I keep up with them on social media and stuff like that. No one has ever gotten divorced that I've done premarital counseling with. That as weird as it sounds, my miserable failure of a first marriage like led to understanding where I was short, helping to communicate that to others and saying, I know what it feels like to be somebody who wants to fix, not listen, and you can't do that. I know what the warning signs are that I see in y'all because, and again, it's yeah. not from a place of like, Oh, I know because I read this in a book is, hey, I, I went down that hole. You really don't want to go down there. I promise you. Um, but God's got something bigger and more awesome for you. And it's and it allows you to do ministry out of vulnerability and doing yes. ministry out of vulnerability. And that's usually the best thing I, was, uh, I, I personally believe. You hear a pastor who gives a really good sermon on a topic. That's a pastor who struggles <laughs> with that topic. <laughs> Because it's not just a, a, a book thing. Yeah. It is a, you're digging into their vulnerable soul. Yes. And it makes for a great message. And and same thing is true with, with me and premarital counseling. Like it, it's become, my, my weakness has been uh, redeemed, I think, and, yeah. and stirred by God and people around me and the, the body of the church teaching to be one of the strengths of my ministry. Yeah, that is beautiful. David, thank you so much for being with us today on New Perspectives. We have enjoyed having you with us. And I know that a new perspective on sort of a hard and and, and dark season in your life, um, I think having a new perspective on that will help people um, do exactly what you're doing right now to shine light and ignite change. Thank you for yeah. your ministry and for what you do. And thank you for sharing with us today. We are so grateful. Um, for those of you who joined, thank you so much for joining New Perspectives. And we'll see you right back here next week.